Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we're back in America with a long-term hasher who's hashed around the world, lots of international events. He's even led hashing groups as they travel around to some of these things. Let's meet a hasher who has been to a lot of countries and a lot of U.S. states on the Where Have You Hashed world. Today on The Hash, it's Quick Drawers. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Rob. Nice talking to you again, and thanks for helping me get my Skype thing up and running for the first yeah. time ever. Yeah, we are introducing some of the elder hashes to the world of 19th century technology on the On On podcast. I resemble that group. <laughs> Let's tell everybody how you started. What's your origin story? When and where and how did you get to your first hash? And my first hash was actually in Taipei, Taiwan, and is the China hash. I had a co-worker there. I was stationed with the military there at the time. And one of my co-workers invited me to go out to something called the hash. And the first time he invited me to go out, you know, I kind of took objection to the word hash and, you know, said, well, you know, that's had a connotation at that time. So, But then finally he asked me to go out again the second time. And I did go and I've been hashing ever since. And when was that? That was in November of 1977, shortly after I first got assigned to Taiwan. Think back if you can. What was it like? How many people were there? Men and women? Beer? Money? Okay. The China hash at the time, and the Taipei hash, I believe, was at the time also just both all men's group. So when we first joined, I would say there was about... 30 to 35 people on a weekly basis. It was on Sunday. The Taipei hash, I believe, was Saturday, and our hash was Sunday. And there wasn't too much intermixing between the two groups, as I guess when the China hash first started, there was a little bit of uh, fallout from the Taipei hash. We would meet at the uh, VFW down in Tinmu, and we would all get in taxi cabs and drive off from there to wherever the start of the run was. It was rarely right there at the VFW. Typically, the run was normally a good hour or a little more. A lot of times along some trails along the sort of the mountainous area there. It was very seldom, if ever, a city run. So it was pretty enjoyable, you know, going through the mountain areas or rice paddies or whatever. Always plenty of fresh air. And then wherever the run would end, once again, you'd get back on taxis and head back to the VFW and then uh, home from there. Was there some of the things that we see on hashes around the world, a circle, singing, any of that? Yes, yes, they always did that. They had plenty of beer. For sure, there was no cooked food. There may or may not. I don't even think the hash provided snacks. I think some people may have brought a few things. You know, there were no dry bags or anything like that. You know, you got out of a taxi cab at the start, and whatever you had on you or on your back, that was what you had at the end again. Yeah. So, How long were you there in Taiwan? I left Taiwan in probably, I'm going to say, April or May of 99, when President Jimmy Carter pulled all U.S. forces out of Taiwan. 79. And ended the 79. Ended the best military assignment I ever had. 
from there, I wasn't ready to come back to the States, so I transferred from Taiwan direct to Okinawa, where I spent the next four years. And how was hashing different in Okinawa from Taiwan at all? Yes, it was different. Well, when, when I first got to Taiwan, I lived at Kadena Air Base, and I worked at an Army post called Tory Station, which was basically an intel gathering place. But there was another hasher that went from Taiwan to Okinawa at the same time, Dale Trader. He was hmm. a Taipei hasher. And he started a hash, you know, early on after we both got there. He started a hash down in uh, Naha area. I believe with uh, some of his uh, local Okinawans that were working with him in the port area. And I started a hash based around the Kadena Air Base uh, Tory Station area. And the two groups, you know, never did anything together. And they both kind of died out. I think we must have done about maybe 40 or 50 runs, but no more than that. The hash group that I started, it was all uh, military people. Or, mili- or civilians, military civilians. We didn't have any locals running with us. Right. But then at some point in time, hashing got resurrected out of the Marine base there on Okinawa. Myself and another person that had been part of my little group found out about it, and we joined them on one or two of their runs. But they were a whole lot more challenging than the ones that we had originally did. So we never did become full-fledged members of the big marine group, which, you know, is now the big hash today there. Yeah, so is that the one that everybody considers the Okinawa hash, but it wasn't the first one, right? Yes, that is the one that everybody considers the the big Okinawa hash when they think about hashing in Okinawa. But do you know if yours or your buddy's one was first? No, no, I don't. I don't know that for sure. For the one you did, what day of the week did you pick then? I believe we did it on Sunday, if uh-huh. I was right. Either Saturday or Sunday, one of the two. It wasn't a nightly run because yeah. we were trying to get people that were normally had a Monday to Friday job to come out and join us. Right. So you had four years there. At any time, did you get back to Taiwan at all during that? Oh, Yes. Uh, and speaking of Taiwan, just jump back there just a little bit. I was in Taiwan from 77 to 79, and being in the right place at the right time, I was able to uh, attend and participate in the first World Interhash in Hong Kong in 1978. All right. Let's talk about that. It was actually, they hadn't come up with that name, Interhash, I think, right? It was called the Hash Unconvention. How did you find out about it? I guess they notified a lot of the known hashes in the immediate Asia vicinity, and somehow our hash found out about it, and three of us from the Taipei hash, I mean from the China hash, went over and, uh, and actually participated in it. The thing about it, it was four days of hashing. You had a, a full-fledged hash on Friday, Saturday, and again on Sunday. Who were the other two, do you remember, that went with you from China? Gentleman that I don't remember his hash name. His last name was Pennington, but I don't remember his his hash name if he had one at the time. Were there hash names in Taipei? Yes. And did you get a hash name there? I did. My okay. China hash name was was Sneaky. <laughs> you know, you had to do something in order to get a name. Where some hashes give them to you after a certain number of runs. 
Right. But I was uh, a lot faster then, or, or whatever, and I managed to uh, actually catch the hares on two or three occasions. Nice. But uh, so anyhow, they, that's how they gave me the name Sneaky. See what you can pull out of your memory about the Hong Kong interhash in '78. You had four days of hashing. Did you meet anyone? Do you recall anyone there that you now you still know today? Was there no, I don't. Unfortunately, you know, well, one of the runs was out. We got on a ferry and went out to some small island where I believe they had a prison. We ran around the prison grounds, poor pretty much, and jumped back on the ferry and ba back to Kowloon. Yeah. Um, the very first run there was on Friday, of course. I guess they mark a little bit different there, and I wasn't used to that at the time. You know, you would you would be just running along, and all of a sudden, trail would just stop, you right. know, for no apparent reason. And that was their way, I guess, of signaling a, uh, an intersection or a checkpoint. Right. So you just... I kind of liked it better, and I still do, when somebody actually tells me, okay, this is a backtrack, turn around and go back. Yeah. You stayed there for the full Interhash weekend. Yes. And did you know there was going to be another one? Did there, was there any discussion about that event continuing? I don't recall that part of it. Yeah. But it was it was a relatively small group. I'm thinking it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 people or less overall, mm -hmm. somewhere around there, because okay. they ended up having a, a Saturday night dinner, I believe, at the China Fleet Club. And that place wasn't all that big, but we were jammed in there like sardines. But uh, it was a good time. So that takes you through the very first years in Taiwan. Did you travel to hash anywhere else there in the first six years? Yes. Once I got transferred from Taiwan to Okinawa, then my wife being Filipino, we would go back to the Philippines, uh, Space A, military aircraft, normally at least once, sometimes twice a year, mm -hmm. and I hashed with the uh, Angeles City hash. I guess wow. music was there at the time, and the Malibu brothers had the Birds of Paradise bar there where the Angeles City Hash met every Sunday afternoon at approximately 2 o'clock. Wow. That was 40 years ago. What what was Angeles City like then? Uh, a, a much bigger version of what it was the last time I was there two years ago. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Before COVID hit. Well, the hash, I mean, but what was, about the city itself? Well, the city of itself, unfortunately, I guess, aesthetically is uh, somewhat a lot unchanged. You know, I guess uh, prosperity hasn't hit Angeles City as much as it has some other places, except for Clark Air Base, which is now a huge new economic zone. I guess they have a lot of call centers there a couple of big brand new hospitals, you know, et cetera, where Clark Air Base used to be. What was hashing like? Was you, were you able to hash with your wife or was it just you? No, the wife the wife didn't hash. No, she's she didn't hash at all. She wasn't big on the, the physical aspect. She did go with me to uh, several of the World Inner Hashes and uh, several of the Inter-Americas hashes, but she just basically went to socialize and uh, and marvel at all of the uh, various folks participating. 
What was the next interhash you went to? You went in 78. Did you get to KL or where, where was the your next The next one I went to was 1990 in Manila. Right. You know, because I'm, I'm not sure where I was stationed at that. Oh, yeah, I was back here in the States at that time. And there was some kind of crisis going on. I guess a lot of Americans that originally had signed up to go, the State Department or somebody wasn't letting people go there. But I I managed to play the card that my wife and, and I had family there and, and that we, we couldn't be denied entry. So that's how that's how I ended up getting in. <laughs> that's great. So it was about 1984 you finished your posting in Okinawa, where did you go next? I left uh, Okinawa in 82, actually. Oh, okay. And and went to uh, the Panama Canal Zone, stationed at Fort Clayton there. When I got there, once again, there was no hash there, so I talked it up with a few of the co-workers. And we put an advertisement in the local Panama Canal newspaper, and I believe a copy of that news article can probably be found online uh, with the historical stuff with the current today Panama hash. Nice. We had a few runs. Later on, I got contact from Giles saying, hey, there's another hash there also called the Panama City hash. All right, so that's Patrick Quilt. Yes, that was the Giles. one Patrick Quilt was there when they first started. So I contacted the other gentleman that was kind of in charge of that particular group, and we merged the two groups together. And I said, hey, you know, why why call it the Panama City Ash? There's only one in the country. Let's just call it the Panama Ash, and, and that's what we did. Nice. Was that co-ed? Yes. Oh, speaking of co-ed, that reminds me. Of the China Ash was all men only, but an old Army buddy of mine that did a lot of hashes around the world with me. His uh, real name was Dave Grogan, and his hash name was Dippy. Tall, slender gentleman. I guess we had some female co-workers that thought it would be a good idea, so we uh, enticed the China hash to allow females to come out and run one Sunday a month. Ah. And, that, and they did that. It wasn't very long after that that they were coming out and running uh, every week. So yeah, give them an inch. The China hash today is, is co-ed, and I'm sure they're all <laughs> they're all happy for it. Oh, that's great. Okay, so Panama, how long were you there? Uh, I was in Panama '82 to '86. That hash blossom was that a strong hash numbers or? Oh, yeah. Well, because the part that I had started was all military and government contract, government employees and contractors again. The one that Giles helped uh, get started down there. The gentleman worked for the Panama Canal Commission. So almost all those people were Panamanians. So when we moved and you know, merged the two groups together, we were getting, I don't know, 40, 50 people every week. And that was, yeah. I believe, a Monday night hash, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, I did the Inter-Americas there, and a lot of hashers got to Panama for the Inter-Americas. Was there canal hashes? Were you at the canal for some events? Yes, but the, uh, you know, mo most of them, unfortunately, were around the city. Mm. And one thing that was unique with the Panama hash at the time, because they were in the city, 
they use spray paint cans to mark their trails. Mm. So if you go to Panama today, you will probably see every cement telephone pole that has numerous different little spots of paint on it where it's marked trails over the years. Wow. It was pretty much, I would say, 90% city, except when we did the trails, we did them where the uh, military uh, bases were, and then you got, you know, a little bit more vegetation. Mm -hmm. And was there out-country runs way out on the other edges of the uh, of the country? No, we no. didn't do any. We didn't do any type of uh, away hashes or anything like that at the time. Right. Was that a, at that point recognizable, just like Taiwan and Okinawa singing in circles? Yes. Yes. And once again, you know, it was just basically uh, beer and soda at the end, and uh, you know. No main food items or, or snacks or anything. Yeah. Now, how did you know uh, Patrick Quilt by that time? Let's see. I think he somehow found out about me. I don't really remember how exactly we got in touch. But I had advertised the Panama hash, I believe, in one of those worldwide directories. So nice. that may have been how he got a hold of me and told me about the other group. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm sure the other group didn't know about those old paper directories that get that used to be published out of uh, KL. Yeah, and you got a hold of those in Asian hashing and took them with you? Is that how you were? Yes, or I actually subscribed to them and had them mailed direct to me for, for several years, whenever there was a new version. Yeah. That was back to pre-internet days, right? Yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll keep, I want to keep talking and just chronologically mark through your history, but right now, if you had to say, give me a number, because you've been hashing for uh, 45 years about, how many trails do you think you've been on? Because it's been pretty regular. Oh, geez, number of trails, probably 2,300, something like that. Yeah, yeah, wow. Put you in the top one percenter, I think. That's pretty cool. All right, let's let's keep going on chronologically and, you know, throw in those stories and ideas that come up. But where did you go after Panama? Well, after Panama, I came back to the States, to Northern Virginia, where I'm still more or less at. I was uh, stationed once again in another military installation, Fort Belvoir, and I was there for four years. And during that time, I found out that there was already an existing hash called Mount Vernon that was established a year or two before I found out about it. They were running twice a month. I did several runs with them, and there were a couple of people that were managing that particular hash that I guess one of them was getting ready to rotate somewhere else, and, and someone else's wife had uh, better things for that person to do on Saturday morning. So they were getting ready to get out of mismanagement. So I kind of stepped up and myself and another fellow Mount Vernon hasher called One Hung Low who worked for the State Department. He and I volunteered to be the two new joint masters. Mount Vernon's a little bit different than some clubs. Uh, its traditions with hash names are a little different. Well, we, we, everybody still has a hash name. The, I guess the main difference is they typically try to name people after they've had five runs. Okay, yeah. Sometimes that's a little challenging, you know, asking them their personal history and blah, 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 and trying to 
relate something to it versus watching them do something stupid or unique. Yeah, and how long did Sneaky stick with you? When I first came back to Virginia, I was uh, renamed. I'm not sure whether it was Mount Vernon that renamed me or, yeah, they, they renamed me. I guess it was a cold winter day, very, very chilly and icy or something. And I managed to change my clothes very quickly next to a public highway. So I got the name Quick Drawers. They didn't want to keep my other hash name that had been with me up until that point in time. Yeah, so how did you feel about getting renamed? What's I didn't mind. It was okay. You know, it was their group. They had the option to do whatever they wanted, right? Yeah. You got in there with some transition to be joint master, and did, how long did you stay in mismanagement with Mount Vernon? Exactly one year. Oh. I guess at, at one point in time, when I was visiting the Angeles City Hash, and I guess the two brothers were kind of more or less in charge of the Angeles City Hash, and I was just a visitor. But I remember hearing a little bit of mumbling from some people thinking that with the same people in charge all the time, year after year, I hesitate to say some people thought it was like a little in-group that was running it, right? Yeah. So to this day, Mount Vernon has elections every year, and then the people are more or less promoted from joint masters to grandmasters. Right. So I guess I'm now one of Mount Vernon's grandmasters, and we just stand around and tell everybody what they're doing wrong, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Has Mount Vernon hosted any events that are bigger than a weekly run over the years? Um, the only thing they do is once a year they have a like an away weekend where they change the management, the annual AGM. That's right. normally a three-day weekend somewhere within, I'd say, a 200-mile radius of where they normally hash in northern Virginia. A good part about Mount Vernon is they don't have a set designated area. They will go and hash anywhere one of their members wants to set a trail. Right. A bunch of hashes are in the Washington, D.C. area. I live in Fredericksburg, so once a year I'll set a hash down here, and a lot of people have to drive 40 or 50 miles to get here, you know, right. yeah. like I do every Saturday morning to go up there and hash there. Yeah. In terms of traditions there, that was a strong running hash with through that first 15 years of hashing or so. How similar were the hashes to you and were they fluid? Did you find them to have strong personalities? Or Well, we all know every hash has its own personality to suspect, but, you know, I, I kind of thought they were all fairly closely resembled each other. You know, there weren't any of them. And even to this day, you know, Mount Vernon doesn't do a lot of crazy stuff that somewhat I'm thinking about, say, if the hash had a bunch of 20 or 25-year-olds in it, there'd be a, a whole lot more different type of activity than it is with a group with probably a medium age of somewhere in the 50s, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you landed in Mount Vernon, and have you lived, have you been stationed or lived anywhere else since you got there? Well, I did uh, four years at Fort Belvoir, and then when I retired from the military, at the end of 1990 and moved to Fredericksburg, you know, I still hash with Mount Vernon on a pretty regular basis, every, you know, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. 
If you don't start in the morning, you can't drink all day. That's the yeah. Mount Vernon motto. Well, who are some who are some of the long term Mount Vernons that were either there at the beginning or been there with you for decades? Because this got a few good characters. Some have passed on, but who are some of the classic Mount Vernon hash personalities? Well, I guess the first two that I want to mention is a young lady named Dual Airbags and her husband uh, Johnny, whose hash name is Sisters on Top. They live in the Dumfries area of Virginia, and they're active hashers with the over-the-hump hash also. Right. But I normally drive from Fredericksburg north 30 miles and meet them, and then we continue to carpool to wherever the Mount Vernon hash is that day. Let's see, who are some of the other people? Bad dog there? Yes. Well, you, you say mad dog or bad, bad dog? dog? Bad dog. Bad dog if I'm thinking of the one correctly, is a Baltimore-Annapolis hasher. Mad Dog. Yeah, yeah, Bad Dog is the guy that passed away, yes. Right. Yeah, he was was an active member of Mount Vernon and White House both. And did you hash with those kind of central D.C. hashes too, White House and... When I was living at Fort Belvoir and didn't basically, and was close to where they were, I think all total I've got maybe 50 or 60 runs with White House, but I probably haven't run with them in over 10 years mm-hmm. just because it's too far to go from Fredericksburg and too much traffic on the famed I-95 corridor to go back up there and do that. I think I've got 50 runs with the Great Falls hash and a little over 300 with the Over the Hump hash. Wow. That is part one with Quick Drawers, his background of hashing since the late 70s and the first interhash. We'll talk more in part two about his travels to all 50 U.S. states and other international places and lots more interesting characters in hashing that he has encountered. This is the On On Podcast. Hasher voices, hasher stories, hasher history. New episodes every week. Until next time, On On. This is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low.